Hey everybody, Russell here. Thanks so much for listening to Tim Chapter 4. Uh, gonna do the announcements and stuff right off the top here so that you can listen to the story without any interruption afterwards. Uh, first of all, I'm sure that you're as sick of hearing excuses as I am about making them about the schedule, um, but this week I uh, got jury duty, and uh, there's nothing I can really do about that. Um, that's the city of Los Angeles's purview, and uh, unfortunately I had to sit through a few days of that, and um, it just burned the week. Um, but now uh, we did get the story out, and, uh, and this will be this week. We will have a new one Wednesday. We'll be back on schedule. I was dismissed from the jury. There's no more uh, obstacles in our way, uh, so the schedule will be back on track the, for the rest of the year, as I <laughs> originally announced it last week. Um, but um, we're, we're, we're doing it. So uh, there is a story this calendar week, uh, at least, um, it'll be late Saturday night, um, for a lot of you, especially those of you on the East coast. Um, but, uh, but it's out and I hope you enjoy it and I'm sorry. Um, it was, uh, it was not fun as anybody who has been on, uh, has been through jury duty, I'm sure knows, but at least I'm not sitting through a trial. Uh, we'll be back, uh, as I said, with the schedule next week will be the next Tim chapter, and then we will have regular season five episodes through the rest of the year after that on Wednesdays. Um, if you are looking for a fun uh, gift for the holidays, Beth's shop is open for, right now through the, through the end of the year. Uh, BethBRad.shop. Um, she is at a convention currently uh, in Los Angeles. So if you are around, um, check out that convention. I forget which one. Exactly, because James and Chelsea are at a different convention this weekend. Uh, they're they're they're. I have a very busy cast, uh, which is great, and uh, I know that they love doing the cons. So if you're at either of the conventions that Beth and Mike or James and Chelsea are at, go say hi. Um, and um, I guess on Sunday, the last day of these conventions, if you're listening to this after the weekend, they're already done. Um, but thanks to everybody who did. Say hi, and thanks to everybody who listens to the show. I really appreciate it. Um, and we're going to get to uh, the Tim story now. Just a couple of last things. Uh, there's a Patreon. Uh, we're going to get the shirts out before the end of the year here for the Patreon. Uh, and then Beth's shop is open uh, for the rest of the year, so check that out. Uh, BethBrad.shop or RadShop.cool. I think both of those work. Let me see. Yep, both of those work. So, BethBrad.shop, RadShop.cool. Uh, she's got her Poke Pantry collection up there. There's D and D and D merch, um, prints and stickers and and shirts and the and the uh, the logos. Man, they are cool. There is also, um, it's already sold out. So I I feel like I shouldn't even mention it. But Beth's working on the season four poster. She had a pre-order that already sold out, which is super cool. So thank you to everybody who already ordered the season four poster. That's really amazing. Um, okay. I have rambled enough. I need to save my voice to read this story. Um, so let's get into it. Chapter four of, uh, our hero paralogue, uh, the tale of Tim, the black bogs. The town, such as it was, that sprang up around the Black Bogs was unlike Tim had ever seen, from the smallest hamlets to the biggest cities. His home of Ravenscrest was a spoken wheel, well, two wheels on each side of the river, with cobblestone streets cutting valleys through grey stone structures. 
Imposing gargoyles capped the parapets of the towers, and historical scenes from the Empire's glory days played out in the borders of the grand entryways of the military buildings. Playful, colorful signs announced the pubs and civilian shops, and fiddles and drums lilted through the alleys, mixing with the clash of spears in the training yards and the ring of ship bells on the river to form a special symphony that Tim would hum along to as he brushed horses. Harrier's Marsh on the Moonshadow border was a grid built for efficiently moving masses of troops, and later merchant goods, from the peninsula into the valley and back again. And the great capital of Hawksridge sat perched atop a seaside cliff looming over the empire, with the light of the Hawksite Tower shining her beacon since the last Hawk King burned the seats of his rivals and proclaimed himself emperor. When Tim sailed down the Wintersong River to his fate aboard the Dorlea, the tower rising off the cliff filled him with an inexplicable sense of pride and awe. He was never the most patriotic, and if he was being honest, he was glad to have his days in service of the Empire behind him. Yet thinking back to the symbol of the Empire's endurance, with the rising sun reflecting off the high granite walls and the flames shining through the breaking dawn, it filled Tim with a surprising level of emotion. Nothing about his current surroundings was so moving. There was no rhyme or reason to the snake-like paths that crisscrossed the putrid bogs. Rotting wood slats made up the best attempts at formal roads, though huge sections were little more than ruts and oily mud. Every building looked as though it was on the verge of collapse. Mismatched slats of charcoal-colored wood held up roofs of thin steel sheeting. A constant wind howled through the gaps and carried a noxious scent that choked Tim's nostrils. Huge cylindrical drums leaked a viscous black goo from seams where dark iron banding held together old knotted wood. Pyramid-like lattices of twisted metal held up pipes spitting constant jets of flame. There is no order in this place. No music in the air. No sunlight shining off monuments. Everything about the bogs felt oppressive. A slat of the corduroy road snapped under their left wheel and the cart lurched to the side. Ah! Nessica winced from the back and Tim snapped the reins to redirect Budo the horse thing. Damn it, Tim's stable boy can't drive a simple cart. You want to come back here and drive? Tim snapped back with a sharpness that surprised him. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just very tired. The meandering paths through the bogs took hours, but Tim found no rest during the journey. Each time he closed his eyes, he saw the shadow, and he forced himself awake. Sleep had become as much a memory as the streets of Ravenscrest. How dare you, guard! You forget yourself! Nessica raised her voice so she could be heard by the laborers around them. Tim's outburst had drawn stares from the dreary, dirty denizens. As they approached the town, Tim had worried his blood-soaked cloak and acid-burned trousers would draw undue attention. But now that they were in, he saw that he had nothing to worry about. Every human worker, and every worker seemed to be human, was clad in little more than rags, their skin pocked with scars, burns, cuts, and scabs. Tim could scarcely tell men from women or young from old as each face was smeared with oil, sweat, blood, and tears. They carried buckets of pitch, tools, and equipment, or pushed carts along metal tracks. In the pits off the roads, they toiled with drills and shovels, running pipes and tubes to giant seesawing pumps of some kind. Among the humans, monstrous folk rode on even more monstrous beasts and barked orders and chastisements. Shouts, screams, bangs, and booms echoed in Tim's ears. He felt dizzy and delirious, squeezed his eyes tight in an effort to regain some sense of clarity. 
It didn't work. Sorry, miss. My apologies. Sir. Sir. Tim tried to get the attention of a worker crossing in front of them. Sir, my mistress is in need of a doctor. Sir, please. I'm just... But the man ignored him and lumbered on, dragging an enormous wrench toward a platform with an array of valves. At the base of the platform, a small kiosk housed a hulking creature with a long, gray snout that stretched to its belly. Two massive curved tusks stuck out from each side of the snout, and its wide, leathery ears twitched and flapped, seemingly searching out sounds among the din of the work. Its large, dark eyes were fixated on a ledger of some sort, where it was taking constant notes with a powerful but dexterous hand. Assuming this creature had an authority of some kind, Tim snapped the reins and guided Budo and the cart in its direction. When he had pulled up alongside the kiosk, Tim dismounted the driver's box and approached the creature. Excuse me, sir, if you can understand me. My mistress is in need of... Before he could finish, the creature cracked him across the face with a fist that felt like a cannonball. Tim tasted blood in his mouth and heard a ring in his ears. The force nearly knocked him off his feet. Control your pet, witch! said the creature to Nessica and then went back to its ledger. Nessica groaned as she sat up in the cart, trying her best not to break open her wounds. With respect, overseer, I apologize for my guard's transgression. He's... new. The creature made a trumpetous scoff with its snout. Clearly, while that may explain such insolent behavior, it does not excuse it, nor does it explain your presence here. Be truthful, witch, or your god will need to prove his worth. The snout then let out a more horn-like sound, and Tim suddenly found himself surrounded by a group of lightly armored humans, each with a spear or poleaxe. Outnumbered five to one, Tim nonetheless drew his sword and fixed his stance. But then he yawned. Oh, bored, are you, boy? Well, we'll see how boring you think this is when we slip your body into the bogs, threatened one of the guards. No one needs to be put in the bogs, Nessica pleaded. My guards' inexperience and arrogance led us to being attacked as we were traveling the Gentor Road. We were chased off course and I took a wound. We seek a doctor and we'll be on our way. Tim's shoulders fell slightly at her tail. While not technically a lie, it also meant it was technically a truth. Did she think he was arrogant? They're both new at adventuring, so that's a little unfair of her to lay it on him. She was the one that got her horse thing caught in that trap. Don't get much more experience than that. But she also had a point. It was his fault that she got hurt. She could have been killed. It would have been on him. Tim didn't have time to unpack the implications of that thought before the creature in the box let out a honking laugh. Oh, a doctor you need! What do you think, boys? Would old Beaky tend to ladies' wounds? The guards laughed long, lowering their weapons to guffaw at the hilarity of the overseer's suggestion. We would graciously accept any aid, and then leave your operation without incident. I assure you I can pay for any services rendered. Oh, I'm sure you can, witch. I'm sure you can indeed. The overseer stared at her for a very long, tense moment. The guards and Tim looked back and forth between their masters and their foes, not sure of the next move. The overseer's floppy ears twitched and flapped. Then the long snout stretched out as if it were an arm, 
reaching for Nessica. Tim started to take a step, but Nessica flashed her eyes in his direction and Tim understood immediately their expression meant stop and wait. Dust shot from the two coin-sized nostrils on the square end of the tube-like snout as the appendage stretched closer to Nessica, searching for some scent, presumably. Nessica herself froze, not moving a muscle as the overseer sniffed over her wounds, then retracted his snout back inside the box. Didn't say it was a carrion lion that tore you open. Curious part of the story to leave out. Okay, boys, show her to Beaky. See if the old sawbones can stitch her up. The guards grumbled a bit, but a look from the overseer quickly quieted them. Their posture slackened and they fell into a loose group, not really a formation of any kind, just a gaggle of nearby people, Tim noticed. He finally relaxed himself and sheathed his sword, climbing back into the driver's box to follow the gaggle. The guards led them south, through rows and rows of drilling rigs and wooden tanks. They passed pits of tar where pumps worked furiously to clear the heavy liquid as human workers hacked away at some huge mass revealed by the pump. Hunchbacked laborers swung sickles into thick peat, cutting heavy bricks that they chucked into nearby wagons. Finally, they reached a cluster of long, barracks-looking buildings and row houses. This looked to Tim to be the workers' living district. In a place where everything looked to be on the verge of collapse, these buildings were especially ramshackle. Most seemed to be little more than walls set up over the mud. Among the squalor, there was one building that literally stood stronger than the rest. Tightly fit timber walls, a tile roof, and even a glass window with a candle that shone like Hawksite Tower. A line of dozens of people stretched from the doorway, and a sign above it displayed a symbol that Tim didn't recognize. The guards led them to the front of the line, and the line members booed and shouted, Quiet down, you lot! You know the laws! Overseer sent this distinguished guest down here to see your sawbones. You're just gonna have to wait your turn. Come on, man! I've been waiting all day! I can't feel my fingers! I need to get back to work, and I can't grab a sickle, pleaded the young man at the front of the line. He held out his hands to show the guard, and Tim saw ten twisted, contorted fingers and two nasty puncture wounds through his palms. You'll pipe down if you want to keep those fingers. You know your place. The guard knocked on the door as the young man backed off. You're not any different from us, he said quietly. What was that? Guards stepped away from the door and toward the young man. They raised their spears. You're not better than us, the man repeated, finding some courage. You think because they give you those sticks you're protected? You're one whim away from being right here in line with busted hands. He raised his voice as he spoke, and the other workers in line caught on to what was happening. They started to push forward, crowding the front of the line. The guards started to circle. Tim hopped out of the driver's box. Get back, you! Don't make us call the overseers! See? You're nothing but bootlickers! Murmurs of agreement started to gurgle among the crowd. You're just as beholden to them as we are! But worse, you think they like you. You think they need you. You're nothing. The crowd was forming a circle. Tim made sure his sword was loose in its scabbard just in case. It was getting tense. Shut up! Shut up or we raise the alarm! The lead guard and the young man with the broken hands locked eyes. 
Tim's own eyes darted between their faces and the guard's spear point. Get the bootlicker's tongue! Someone screamed from the safety of the back of the crowd. Bodies started to push in, more screaming, and then a spear point flashed, and Tim reacted before he could think about it. Spear's shaft stopped eight inches short of the young man's face. Its point clattered to the ground, cut clean off, as the crowd let out gasps. Tim held the standard-issue Talon Infantry short sword at the top of its arc, just above the spear shaft. For a moment, no one moved. And then the door opened, and a tall, slender figure in a long, tight, black coat emerged. Enough, boomed the figure. I will not have a riot start outside my practice. You heard him disperse, peasants. The figure stepped beyond the threshold and up to his full height. Easily over twenty hands high, he had a long, almond-shaped face with an equally long, hooked nose. This must be why the overseer had called him Beaky. His sharp, slanted eyes stared down the long, beak-like nose, and all the humans beneath him shrank from his presence. No, he said, calmly but forcefully. You are the disturbance, guards. Armon is correct. If you do not cease your misguided chest-puffing, there will be consequences. And you'll be the ones to feel them. As he spoke, a thin mouth revealed long rows of small, sharp teeth. His arms were folded across his chest, but were about eye-level with the guard. He held no weapons and made no outward threats, yet still the guards lowered their weapons. The lead guard gave one more look to the young man called Armand, and then they left. There was quiet among the crowd until the man said, I'll see the elf now. But Sawbones, I... The man held up a hand with long, slender fingers. His skin was a rusty brown and wrinkled by age. Armand, this is the law. I will see the elf. The man turned to the cart, reaching his long arms in to scoop Nessica out of the back with ease. On the way back inside, he said to Tim, You wait here, and disappeared behind the door. Tim stood there among the injured and sick workers, his sword still in his hand dropped it to his side, trying to take in what happened. He blinked hard and then blinked again, before a tap on his shoulder startled him. Wheeling around, he raised his sword again, but sheathed it as soon as he recognized a terrified Armand with broken hands raised in surrender. Whoa there, bud, I I just wanted to say thanks. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. I'm just a bit off. I, I haven't... I haven't slept... Oh, yeah? No... No elixir? What what kind of guard are you? I, I'm... Tim stopped. He wasn't sure what would be good information to share. He sympathized with Armand and his fellows, but he didn't know how this world worked. He didn't know who to trust, except for Nessica. He looked toward the building, worried. Oh, don't don't worry about her. Sawbones will take care of her. What's your deal, bud? Uh, I'm I'm new. Tim decided to take a page from Nessica and offer half-truths. Armand seemed skeptical but friendly, and Tim did just save his life. This could be an opportunity to get some info about the bow, if it did find its way to this place. Uh, I'm originally from far away. I just started working with Ness... My mistress, I'm pretty shit at being a god, it seems. Armand laughed. I don't know about that, man. You you certainly guarded me good. 
I just surprised you do something like that. Not be like them, I mean. I'm Armand. I'd shake your hand, but... He showed his wounds. Tim, how'd you get those? Thorns. Believe it or not, there's a forest of sorts under all this muck. That's what they're really after here. Trees. Some about them, I, I don't know. It's a huge pain in the ass to get them up, and, you know, thorns. He held up his hands again to hammer his point. What brings a drow out to the black bogs? Don't see many of their sort in these parts. We're, we're looking for something. I, I can't say what it is. You, you know, regulations. Tim took a chance. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I get it. They always like to keep us in the dark when they can. It worked. Tim moved on. Have you seen any gator men around? They may be involved. Gator men? Did one of the patrols do that to your drow friend? Armand raised an eyebrow. No, 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 no. We, we were attacked by a, a carrion lion. Tim tried to have confidence in knowing what a carrion lion was, but he wasn't entirely convinced that Armand believed him. The young man squinted and looked him up and down. Nasty, man. Pretty intense. You came away unhurt. But I've seen your speed with that thing. Your employer is lucky to have you. Yeah. Tim trailed off as his attention turned to the building next to them. Through the window, Tim saw a lightly furnished room with shelves full of bottles and jars. A water basin sat on a table next to a rack of saws, blades, scissors, and clamps. Tim swallowed. We think... But his mind lost the thought as his heart filled with guilt. I get it. Get what? Forget it, man. What was it you were looking for? You think it could be in the black box? That's my theory. I thought maybe if whoever took it was looking to hide it or sell it, they would come to a town. They also could have been hurt, so they would have sought a healer. But you said you hadn't seen any gator men, and you've been waiting here all day, right? What about yesterday? Armand shook his head. No patrols through here, man. But he looked at Tim and smirked. Yeah, I think I may know a place someone could offload some contraband. Isn't that right, Linfroar? He turned to the man behind him in line. An older, bent-back man with a long, matted beard. Linfor hadn't been paying attention, and Armand had to nudge him with a shoulder to get a response. When he turned to face them, he revealed a huge makeshift bandage across his right eye. Uh? This guard here is looking for some contraband. Think Elvira could help him out? The old man looked Tim up and down and grunted. Tim wasn't completely sure he understood what was happening. I'm going to take our friend here and see if we can find out what he's looking for. Least I can do for him saving my life. Save my place, will ya? The old man grunted. Tim looked back through the window and started to say something, but Armand had already hooked an arm through his and was leading him away. Don't worry about it. A procedure like that's sure to take hours. She's in good hands. Come on, let's see if we can find your lost thing. Before he knew it, Tim was out of sight of the doctor's building and the line of workers. 
Armand led him through the alleys of the district, ducking mounted overseers and groups of strolling guards. They crossed over a tar pit on a rope bridge and entered a group of buildings made of sheets of metal. To Tim, such structures looked dangerous, with their sharp edges and the glow of flame leaking through the seams where one wall met another. Flames and smoke billowed from chimneys lining roofs like spines on a lizard. Are you sure we shouldn't head back? Maybe Nessica's healed by now. Oh no, man. Carrying lion cuts tricky. Trust me. There's a reason that line is so long. Good work takes time. We're almost there. He turned sharply down another alley, and the buildings started to thin out. Before long, they arrived at a small metal building with a display shelf out front. Objects foreign to Tim lined the shelf with signage in a language he didn't understand. Wait over there, Armand pointed some feet away from the doorway, then knocked with a specific cadence and a slat at eye level opened. Tim couldn't see into the dark beyond the slat, but some light caught what looked to be deep red eyes. Tim recalled suddenly the traitorous Lady Banbatten and felt unease wash over him. Armand spoke in hushed tones into the slat, pointed a broken hand at Tim, who sheepishly waved back. There was a whispered exchange Tim couldn't hear before Armand nodded and called Tim over the wave. The door opened, and Tim cautiously stepped into the threshold. Armand stood behind him. This is Elvira, Armand said, but Tim could only see darkness within. She has a reputation around here for getting things people need. Things are usually really hard to come by. Things like magic things. Which I assume is the kind of item you're searching for, right? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. Tim remembered holding the Stormtail bow, feeling the ancient power of the storm surging through it. A hiss came from the darkness, then a rattling sound. You keep snakes in here, Miss Elvira? Now she doesn't work for free, of course, Armand continued. Nothing ever is. You need to provide something valuable in return. If you wanted something like, say, some illegal magic gloves. Something whizzed from the dark past Tim's head and landed on Armand's feet. Tim turned as the young man picked up a pair of dark chainmail gloves lined with a red fabric. Oh, no, Tim murmured, slowly realizing what was happening. You don't need to do this, Armand. Sorry, man, he shrugged, pulling on the gloves, which shimmered with a flash of red magical energy. From behind him, Tim heard a louder hiss, and the rattle increased in volume. Nothing personal, but your witch cut the line. I need to get back to work. If Sawbones can't help me, well, there's not much Elvira likes more than blood uncut by elixir. She can still taste the fear. Tim felt something curl around his ankles. You bastard! I saved your life! Armand closed the door and, through the slat, said, And you never thought maybe I wasn't worth saving. None of us are. We're already lost. A whistle blew in the distance. Back to work, and Armand waved a gloved hand and disappeared from view. Tim's face abruptly slammed into the floor as his feet were yanked from under him. 
Whatever grabbed his legs lifted him in the air. The rattling was louder than ever now as Tim, hanging upside down, was twisted around. Lit by the industrial glow filtering through the open slat, Tim saw a feminine shape slither toward him. Scaled, slender hands ran a sharp claw along his cheek as a serpentine face with deep red eyes stared into him. Hello, young man. Elvira hissed. What are you afraid of? D&D&D is a Moorpark Media podcast and a Spotify preferred partner. Written and edited by me, James Gressel. D&D&D is performed by James A. Janice, Chelsea Rebecca, Beth Bradloff, and Mike Sigan.